Hi healers, it's Allison here. So I want to tell you a little bit more about how Taylor and I got started with our podcast and the platform we've been using, which is Anchor, has been so user-friendly and so amazing. I just want to tell anyone else out there that is thinking about starting a podcast, Anchor is the way to go. First of all, it's completely free, so hello. Second of all, there's so many creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. It's crazy. I'm recording this right from my phone, and it literally just looks like the record button on your videos or your Instagram. So it really is such a user-friendly platform, and the coolest thing is, is you can add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes too. And the possibilities are seriously endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never even seen before. Anchor also distributes your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many other platforms. And you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And like I said, it's so user-friendly. I recommend Anchor. Go to anchor.fm to get started or the Anchor app. See you later, healers. Hi, I'm Allison. And I'm Taylor. And together, we're the Anxiety Chicks. Each week, we will dive deep into a different topic about anxiety and the real-life experiences we all go through, while giving you all the top tools and tips you need for your journey to recovery. Our degrees may say therapist and dietitian, but together we are just real chicks on our own healing journeys too. Join us as we take you from panic to power and reduce the stigma of mental health. Remember, you're never alone and we're all in this together. Hi, healers. Allison here. So I want to talk to you all a little bit about one of our new sponsors, BetterHelp. I'm so excited to tell you about this online counseling platform because as a licensed therapist, I'm a huge advocate of mental health awareness and truly believe in providing affordable counseling services to anyone, anywhere. Let's face it, there's so many areas in the United States and around the world that can make it so difficult to find affordable counseling. And especially if you live in a more rural area, it can be really hard to find a counselor, which is why I love this online platform. BetterHelp is an online mental health healing platform that provides online counseling and matches you with your own licensed professional therapist. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's a professional counseling service done securely online and is available worldwide. What's even better is that there are a number of different licensed counselors who specialize in all different areas of mental health. BetterHelp makes it so easy to log onto your account at any time and contact your therapist directly. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses and can schedule as many weekly video or phone sessions as you would like. As a therapist, I know that it's not always possible to find the right therapist for your needs, especially the very first time. So BetterHelp has actually made it so easy to facilitate great therapeutic matches. And if you don't find a connection with your first counselor, there's absolutely no charge to change counselors if you ever need to. How amazing is that? And if you find that you're struggling financially, they also have financial aid available. So we have a special offer for all Anxiety Chick listeners today. Sign up now and receive 10% off your first month. Just visit betterhelp.com slash the Anxiety Chicks. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P slash the Anxiety Chicks and join over 50. 
500,000 people who are taking charge of healing their mental health with an experienced counselor today. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Anxiety Chicks podcast. I am Allison Sepinera. And I'm Taylor. And we are here for episode 13 today, you guys. Um, we had a little bit of a mix-up. We were going to have a guest, and we're still going to have the special guest on um, in the next couple episodes. But uh, things came up, and we weren't able to get her on today. So we're going to do an exciting episode today, though. It's a follow-up of probably our most popular episode so far about health anxiety, <clears throat> which was – go back and listen to that if you haven't. Um, I feel like – it was maybe episode six, five, four or five or something. Um, and it is a very hot topic for us. And I know Taylor, I mean, even with your Instagram is health underscore anxiety. So I know you talk about health anxiety a lot. Um, so we're going to actually answer some of your questions that we got about health anxiety today. And Taylor does receive so many DMs about health anxiety every day, of course, and I do as well. And so we just wanted to get to some of your questions since we felt like so many of you were asking follow-up questions about the episode and you wanted us to do another episode about health anxiety and specific topics, but which we will do in the future. But we're going to do a Q&A today. How's that sound, Taylor? It sounds wonderful. So like, I'm super, you'll relate to this, Allison. I'm super like we had a plan. Like the plan was you and I and the special guest. And so now I'm just like, we're winging this. Isn't that fun when plans change? If anyone listening to this struggles with anxiety, I'm pretty sure you probably struggle a little bit when plans change. And it's more of like plans changing at the last minute. Like the last minute thing for me is like nails on a chalkboard. I'm just like, okay, okay, I can do this. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, yeah, same. I'm like, okay, what are we doing? What's the topic? What like, um, but it's okay, guys. We got this. You'll love this Q and A. I mean, what I'm gonna do is I do a poll day every like Friday, but it basically leads into like the whole week. But I get a lot of just like questions on the side, so we're just gonna go through some of those because I also have a lot of people that are like, you never get to my question, and I'm like, if you saw how many submissions there were, I would be unfollowed for spamming people. But um, Allison, I'd love to start with this first one and you can maybe answer this one. Did you get intrusive thoughts and believe they'll come true? Okay. So that's, is that, I mean, I'm going to talk specifically to health anxiety. So the intrusive thoughts that people get when they struggle with health anxiety is, it can be different for everybody, but like, I'm, I mean, Taylor, you can chime in too, because I'm sure well, why don't you – you were just talking about how you got a little bit of it, didn't right. you? My intrusive thoughts would yeah. be like uh, – with, with health anxiety, I would say the one that hit me every day was just like, you're going to die. It's your last second. Like, this is your last breath. You will never make it to your next birthday. Mm-hmm. Like, that's all the things I would hear. It was always like events too. Yeah. Like specific events. Like, you will not make it to Christmas. Yeah. You will not make it to yes. uh, having a child. You will not make it to getting married. It was like all these like life events I always felt like I would never make it to. We'll see. And so that's interesting. My my initial thought of a lot about health anxiety, which is when I either feel something on my body that's abnormal or I see something on my body or, you know, I get a new pain or something, my brain automatically is like, I have cancer. 
Yeah. Oh, one. Yes. That that's too. Literally. That I'm too. like, I have cancer. Like that's just my intrusive. It just replays that I have cancer in my brain. I whatever that is. And so, um, so, okay. So those were really good examples because those are the intrusive thoughts. Someone's asking, how do you, what was the question? How do you not believe said, them? No, it just said, do you get intrusive thoughts and believe that they'll come true? Right. Okay. So that's essentially what anxiety does to our mind is it makes us believe that what our thoughts are thinking in that moment are true. So my my modality of cognitive behavioral therapy is actually that treatment is the exact that's what we work on. We work on identifying the intrusive thoughts that make that create these beliefs in your in your brain. Um but in fact the beliefs are not true mostly because the thoughts that you're thinking are either thoughts that haven't happened yet, like they're distorted thinking patterns. So like all of those, I have cancer or, oh my gosh, I'm going to get this and this is what's going to happen. Like all of those, all of those thoughts are distorted and irrational because you can't really predict anything that's in that moment. You have no idea really what's going on, right? You can't predict what's going to happen in the future. There is a chance of something, right? And that's where the fear comes to play. But in that moment, you are making yourself believe something that you actually are don't know if it's true or not, but your anxiety is making you believe it's true, even though you have no evidence for it. Yeah. And I would say in the moment, like you can't, it's really hard to fight those intrusive thoughts without like coping mechanisms. Like there was no way out of like when I would get that, I would get this feeling of like I was walking on a boat, like straight up the floor would move. And in that moment, nobody not even like a CT scan at the hospital could convince me that I was going to be okay. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. That sounds so scary for you. And I think for anyone listening, it's probably feels so scary because you, there is part of you that is making your anxiety is making you believe that this is what's happening. And that's where the panic comes into play. Right. And so that's the basis of CBT. The treatment actually is we, we, um, you know, I work very closely with my clients on how to dispute those thoughts when they come into play, what kinds of events trigger those thoughts, um, what types of, if it's related to your health, what is it, what types of health-related anxieties do you have, like about your body or is it about um, different parts of your body or what you see or maybe preoccupation with um, a family member that has something that you might, you know, and we talked a lot about that in the other episode, so go back and listen to that. But um and like the criteria for illness, anxiety. But I would say, yes, I think most of the time, if you're having intrusive thoughts about your health and you're having anxiety about it, there's going to be part of you that believes what you're thinking is true. And that's just part of the distorted thoughts that we have when we struggle with anxiety. So I hope that answered it. 100%. Okay. The next one. Are heart flutters a sign of having anxiety? And I'm going to take the ring on this one because I think it needs to be reiterated a thousand times. So um, the short answer is yes. The long answer is after you have gone and had your heart checked out one time. And I say one time because so many people will feel these symptoms of heart flutters and continually convince themselves with their intrusive thoughts that they are going to die. If you have been checked out and told your heart structure is normal, your heart is fine, a cardiologist will not let you leave a 
and and this had to be reiterated in my mind so many times, but a cardiologist will not let you leave the building if he he or she feels that you are not okay. And trust me, they make money off of sending you for more tests. If they look at you in the eye and say, you do not need another test, you do not need another test. But yes, the feelings that can happen from stress and anxiety, those palpitations, PVCs, PACs, flutters can feel so dang scary. Like I used to think I was having a heart attack. I would have runs of PVCs. My Holter monitor showed I had 4,000 a day. And so when you start to feel the feeling, this is something like that's so important. Don't keep like distract yourself. Don't sit there in a, this is what I used to do. I would sit there in a dark room. I don't know why it always had to be dark, but I, but it was, Mm -hmm. and I would just continually obsess over the feeling and all it would do was cause more. It would keep causing more heart palpitations. And then I would sit there and like clench my chest and like wait for more to happen. And then of course more would happen. And then I'd panic and probably end up in the ER, but Right. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, our body, our bodies, we have physiological responses when our brain is on overdrive and when our cortisol is released and we have constant thoughts that are intrusive and that is all connection in connection with anxiety. And so our mind and our body are connected. And when we feel like we are in danger, even if we're not in reality, our brain makes us believe we are, and so our sympathetic nervous system is activated. We go into our fight or flight response, and that creates all these physiological responses in our body. Heart fluttering, shortness of breath, stomach upset, sweating. Um, oh my gosh, there's so many. You guys talk to me all about that on my Instagram page, how many different types of physical symptoms you guys have. Um, when you feel anxious. And so it looks different for everybody. I mean, you could have pains and different cramps and aches in your body. I mean, so many different types of physical symptoms, but that is, those are totally real. So this heart fluttering is real and it feels very scary. And I think being able to, obviously, you know, when I, when I talk about physical symptoms with clients, I will always, always say, if you haven't gone to your doctor yet, just go. You know, obviously, if something physical is happening to you and you've never been to your doctor about it yet, just go rule that out, rule things out, right? But once you rule things out, like you said, how many how many tests did you get, or how many? Oh my gosh, I would I would fight the. I don't know if you've seen my I don't know if you've seen my post um, where a cardiologist literally sent me home one day with a sticky note that said Taylor Taylor's heart literally drew a heart is fine. No damage. Right. Because he was so done with me. He was like, he even like the fact that he knew my mom and called my mom. Um, That's another story. Oh my God. (laughs) And then I would have, I would have my mom because he was done with me. I would have my mom call him back and be like, wait, can you like, and this is another thing that I don't think I've ever talked about on my page is like leaving an appointment and almost like blacking out from what went on at the appointment. And forgetting what they said. And sometimes I would even twist their words. Oh, yeah. Wow. This is really weird. Wow. I just like thought about this. But like my cardiologist would like say something to me and I would be like, no, I think he said like I need testing again in like a year or something. And then my mom would call back and he'd be like, no, she's perfectly fine. Like she doesn't need any more testing. But I would like 
there was probably so, I mean, at that moment, your, your anxiety level is so high when you're in that office that it's probably, it was probably impossible for you, for you to even be in present to listen to this person. Right. Like in that oh, moment, yeah, you're just not, you're not able to even listen to what they're saying. Cause you're just so anxious. The nurse. So it's like protocol. I think when you go to a cardiologist, Oh, and the, the funniest part about me and my cardiologist experiences, I would always be in the waiting room and I would look around and it was me and just like, you know, grandpas, grandmas, we got, we got some stroll, <laughs> uh, some, uh, some walking cane, like older uh, people with actual heart problems, oh, actual heart more. problems. And then there's me. <laughs> They're probably like, poor girl. She probably has some like, oh my gosh, from birth disease. Uh, and no, I, there was yeah. actually one time there was a younger kid there, and I was like looking at him. And then I, I think I was mostly looking at him because I was like, oh my gosh, see, like young people can have issues, like, see, like he's dying too. And then he, I don't know what got me. I, I think I was just so convinced I wasn't okay that I started up a conversation with them because I wanted to know what was wrong with him. And his dad was like, he has anxiety. It's anxiety. And he doesn't believe it. And I was oh just sitting there gosh. like, oh my gosh. And the kid was just like looking at me like in pure terror. And he was like, and then him and I got to talk and he was like, sometimes I feel shortness of breath and it really scares me. And it was just like such a moment because I was like, okay, like, you know, like we're like, obviously he's having anxiety too, like probably high school. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's such a, that's the hard thing about anxiety in children because until you actually, you know, our brain doesn't even fully develop till we're like 26 years old. And so as children, cause I work with a lot of kids too, um, they don't have the language to express their feelings. Like, so a lot of what I do with kids is, is educate them on how to have a, teach them the language to talk about feelings, what feelings are, like what situations create certain emotions for them. And so so many of the children that struggle with anxiety have physical symptoms. Like that's, it's, it's all basically physical because when, when something mentally is going wrong with a child, it comes out behaviorally because they don't really have the language yet to know how to say it. So, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if that kid did have some anxiety and he was just feeling so sick all the time or really, you know what I mean? Like something physical was going on, but, um, so that was a what was that question again? That was a good question, <laughs> but we got off on a tangent. <laughs> Sorry, I went past it. It said um, our heart flutter. Well, they said heart is flutter. heart flutter. Uh, oh, the one other thing I do want to say about heart fluttering or like shortness of breath. I mean, I will say now this is not not for everyone. So I know that this doesn't apply to everyone, but I will say majority of people that I work with, when they start feeling these like physical symptoms with their heart, the the best thing from a lot of people that they can do is to really practice their like slow breathing or their breathing techniques because that's really going to activate the parasympathetic nervous system, which is the rest and digest part of our brain. And slowing and deepening our breath is what what acti activates that. So like four, seven, eight breathing, square breathing, alternate nostril breathing. You can Google all those, put them in YouTube, practice those. Even when you're not feeling anxious, practice those and get into the habit of doing that. Um, and so many other types of yoga classes can, I mean, you're doing online maybe, like yoga videos can really teach you how to um, 
tune into your breath more often and recognize how to really slow your breathing. Boho Beautiful, I love. Yoga with Adrian, love both of those people. So that would be my suggestion for that. Um, anywho, okay. So what's the next question, Taylor? Okay. Um, this one is actually something I've been wanting to talk about on my page because a lot of people will message me about like how I got back into exercising. So like before I had health anxiety or like it got really, really bad, um, I was a big athlete. Like my whole life I played basketball and then I, after that I was a huge runner. And then when I had panic disorder, like literally, I kid you not, getting up off of the couch and walking up three, like three stairs, my heart rate would be like 150 because I was so anxious. And so um, this question actually says, want to start exercising, but I'm scared of feeling faint or like I'm going to pass out. And that's exactly how I would feel. And so what I did is, well, first of all, I had to like really start working on my panic attacks and overall anxiety. And then after that, once I started getting a grip on that a bit, um, I took it so slow. And like, I know you want to just like jump back into what you're used to. And for me, it was like, I was a six mile runner. Like I was so used to like exercising, like seriously, you're going to tell me to go walk down the street one time. That's my workout. But it's like, that's what I needed. Like I needed to show myself. It was kind of like exposure therapy, I'd say, Mm because I needed to show myself like I can make it down the street and back and I will still be okay. And so I started so, so slow. Like it was just literally a walk down the street. And then it was like a walk to the street over. And then it was like a little faster walk. And I mean, like my first walk I know this sounds like I was like a hermit, but I was. Um, I mean, I was like I, I didn't leave the couch. Like it was, it was really bad. That like, is not uncommon though for anyone that struggles with severe anxiety or depression. I mean, that's a very common, you know, it's a very common behavior if you're struggling with either of those. You know, sometimes like it's even debilitating, even taking a shower with the water say a little too hot my heart would race severely and I would I actually like and I know a lot of people might be able to relate to this but I I couldn't shower for a while like I it was it was pretty bad I know that sounds really disgusting um but it I just couldn't like I could I felt like I was going to die in the shower and no one would be able to help me because it would be like what if I I remember my thoughts were like, what if I had a heart attack and someone needed to like see I was having the heart attack in order to save me because I know that some people can be saved from heart attacks. Like that's how my thought process would go. Oh my God. And it's like, so if I was having a heart attack in here, I wouldn't be able to, no one would be able to see and I would go past that point of someone being able to help me. So it was just like super, super, I was extremely, extremely irrational, but like extremely, extremely convinced of my irrational mind. Like I didn't realize I was irrational to me. My irrational thoughts were rational and everyone around me telling me I was okay was irrational. Right. So So, that was, so that was the same at that same time when you were like, like before you started the exercising or like you said, you were running for a long time. Yeah. No. So when I was, when I was in, no, when I was in this stage, it was like, just taking a shower, my heart rate, right. would, I kid you not, I would have it on, um, 
I would have my Apple Watch on exercise like literally all day long just so I could see my heart rate. And um, it was like 150, 130, 150 in the shower because I would stress myself out so much. And so the thought, like, I think I'm sure in that moment, and I remember one doctor literally prescribing me exercise and being like, you need to get your heart rate up to a certain like beats per minute. And then like your palpitations will go down, which like is true. So if you exercise your heart, but I couldn't allow myself to do that because I was like, so convinced it wasn't okay. I was going to say, like, if someone told me that, that would just make no sense to me. I would be like, oh, what? it I, I called him again. To? Yeah, like, I would be nervous. I called him again and was like, he was like, I don't know. This was that one story I talked about in um, our first health anxiety podcast, but he was the one doctor that literally looked at me and was like, I don't know what else you want me to do. Like, do you want me to admit you to the hospital? And I was just like, okay, you're clearly no help. You don't understand. Um, but, but basically he told me to get my heart rate up really high and he wanted me to like go run. And I'm like, dude, I can't even walk up the stairs. My heart is in heart failure, dude. Like that's what, that's how all my thoughts were. Right. And oh my God. so, yeah, my recommendation to anyone is literally, I mean, I wouldn't even start with, uh, a walk down the street, start with just some stretching. Yes. Agreed. And then like, and, and like, what, what do you want to get to? Like, what is your goal? I would look mm-hmm. at what your goal is. Like if you were like a big Pilates or yoga person, well then yeah, start with some stretching and then like do some flows, like take it very, very slow. But like, if you are a runner, start with some stretching and then like a walk down the street and then like a walk a little bit farther. And every time you'll show your mind that like, you're going to be okay. And like the more, I remember like smiling, like this is so sad, but I remember like, I went like maybe a quarter of a mile and I came home and I was like, mom, I walked a quarter of a mile. And I mean, at that point they probably thought I was literally insane. <laughs> they were like so done with me at this point, but oh I was so God. proud of myself, guys. Like, I think I have a, a journal entry that was like, I walked a quarter of a mile and didn't die. And like, that was a huge accomplishment for me. Of course. Of course. I mean, listen, obviously it's not easy for people that don't have never experienced it to like understand what's going on, but like, that's a huge accomplishment. And I agree with you. I think starting really slow and starting very you know, just one step at a time. Like today, I'm going to do some stretches. And you guys, can I just tell you, if you go to YouTube and you type in like stretching for anxiety, there is a video on it, I'm sure. Or, um, you know, five minute, five minute yoga pose poses for anxiety. Like start there, five minutes, five minutes. And yoga is a very slow type of movement anyway. So I agree with you. And I think you telling us your experience has been for me too, like thinking about that, you know, you, that's very informative. You had to start somewhere and baby steps. I mean, literally and figuratively. So a follow-up question, which was, it's funny. Someone else actually asked this question like three rows down. It says, when did you start to notice a difference in your heart rate once you started being active again. I think this is a huge point to note from our last question because when I did start working out again, like even these walks, I felt really, really bad. Like I had 
extra heart rates, it's because I had so much stress around doing something out of the normal. Mm. I had created this normal of waking up, sitting on the couch, Googling, not moving. I had absolutely no coping mechanisms at all. (laughs) I would literally, my day was wake up, go to the couch, do nothing, obsess over every symptom, take your heart rate, take your blood pressure, take your oxygen. Now, were you, were you in therapy at this point too, or no? I was in nothing. I didn't, I didn't believe it was anxiety then. So no, but I mean, okay. You mean when you started doing this, this exercise stuff too, you weren't in therapy yet? Uh, no. Okay. It was kind of like, um, what, what I read about exposure therapy and I was like, okay, I need to prove to myself that I can do this. And so I would like just slowly add on, but like uh, one thing that did so when I did start getting my heart rate up a little bit higher, I like freaked out and I had a really bad day and I went to the ER. I'm sure if I was in therapy, it would have been a That's little bit easier. Right. Totally. Because yeah. I I had so much um when you try something new that you're fearful of, not new, but like something that you haven't done in a while and that is a huge trigger for you, and then you do it, you're going to feel higher symptoms. Mm-hmm. You will like a lot of people are like, oh, I read like after working out, if you have heart palpitations, it's not good. Okay, but you have anxiety. Right. So like I was having severe like uh, runs of heart palpitations after working out. And that lasted probably like a month until I showed myself like, hey, you're okay. Like you, you can work out like your heart is fine. And so then after that, everything started to regulate. But like when I first started doing some workouts again, my heart rate would skyrocket. Hmm. So, but then it leveled out. Like once my body, your body's also, it's a, your heart's a muscle. So when you, I was sitting on the couch all day, like, yes, of course my heart was not conditioned to what it used to be. So getting back into exercise, I had to give myself grace for the time I spent not doing anything. Right. Exactly. It's kind of funny for someone who worried so much about dying from a blood clot. I sat on, I laid on the couch all day long. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like, serious. So right. You're like, okay. What? So contradicting. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you, you know, I'm glad that you did, uh, did something that was helpful. I mean, I think, you know, if, I think sometimes it's, you know, I don't know. You seem very, resilient in the aspect that you, I guess, started saying to yourself, like, I need to do something about this. But I think it's very hard for sometimes for people to do that on their own. So for anyone that feels like they've maybe tried that or like they've tried everything. And I mean, please, please reach out to a licensed therapist and and get some extra support because you know, obviously I'm a therapist, so I'm a huge advocate in, in therapy, but, um, you know, it's such, it's so healing to just have someone kind of in your corner when you're trying to figure all of this stuff out and someone that's objective, that is not a part of your family, that doesn't really know you, someone who is an expert and has, you know, schooling in a lot of these behaviors and these disorders. And so, um, I think what it was for me is I really, really struggle with putting any of my problems on other people. So like even when I would go to therapy, um, I don't think I was ever 
I, I didn't allow myself because I, I did go a few times before I started that, but I didn't allow myself to fully say who I was and what I was struggling with. So I don't think I would e- ever have let a therapist in enough to be like, hey, I need you to work on this with me. So it was more of like my parents, my family, everyone saying they were done with me. So in my head, it was like everyone was, I've lost everything. Every, I was, this was rock bottom. So I knew I had to do something and like I knew that like I wouldn't let anyone else in to help. Well, you might have just not gotten the right therapist, unfortunately. Um, oh, yeah. We we talked about this. Remember? Right. Remember that lady? Right. So again, if anyone's struggling with, you know, thinking the same thing that you just said, it might just be because you haven't found the right connection with someone. Doesn't mean they're like bad or good at what they do, but everyone just needs to try a couple to see who can they connect with. And <clears throat> I will say though, if you're not fully invested in, you know, the sessions or like you don't feel connection, you're not going to get much out of it. So it's probably why you didn't. Um, Which we have an episode on that coming. Yes. Finding yeah. the right therapist. Yeah. 1000%. And I get DMs all the time about how to do that. <laughs> and it's actually not an easy answer, which is probably why people struggle with finding one. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, I'm really proud of you, though. I'm, like you, I mean, you've come so far and, you know, have it. Health anxiety is real, guys. It's real. All right. It's, what's next? Really another, do we have another one? Let's see. Can um, we do like one more maybe? <clears throat> I love this topic. I feel like I could talk about it mostly because I struggle with it too, but... Um, Ooh, someone said, when could you tell your anxiety was getting better? Oh, I like that. So this isn't necessarily directly related to health anxiety, but let's answer that. Do you want me to go first? I guess. Yeah. All right. So I think that for me, I knew my anxiety was... And I guess like getting better, right? This whole, this looks different for everybody. Healing looks different for everyone and everyone's anxiety is different. So this answer, you know, is going to be different for you. But I want you guys listening to think about this because I like this question. I feel like it really, it's, it's, I haven't ever even thought about this in my life. But I would say when I knew that I was having certain triggers that I was very aware of, like I became more aware as I talked to my therapist about like what certain situations or events or people trigger certain thought patterns or certain anxieties. And I was able to, in those moments, I was able to identify that. And I was able to acknowledge that the intrusive thoughts that were kind of in my brain were there but I was able to like take the reins. Like the thoughts didn't control me anymore. I kind of was able to observe them. Now, this is not all the time. I still have my moments where I'm in my head a lot, but I'm actually able in in real life like to talk to myself differently and reframe the way that I'm thinking a lot of times and be kind to myself and be compassionate with myself and remind myself that, you know, these thoughts you're having are irrational and you know your your fortune telling right now or your mind reading those are some cognitive distortions that that's the name of them of irrational thought patterns in CBT and 
I'm able to really step outside of myself and say, listen, remember, these are the things that you've done in the past. You've gotten past, you've gotten through a lot of these situations before. You know that you're going to be okay and come out of this. Right now, here's some of the tools that you use to help yourself. You know you like this type of breathing. You know going outside and moving your body helps. You know that if you really need to, you have these four people that will answer the phone right away that you can just talk to for a couple minutes. Not that I'm dependent on them. Like I know I can get through it, but that's just another tool for me if I want to go there. And I, you know, I have a whole healing toolbox for myself full of strategies. And the more like when I I just knew I know now that I have I know I just am very self-aware of my own f- physical responses, my own mental responses, what my triggers are, mm-hmm. and what I what I need to do to kind of get bring myself out of it. But a huge part of that is being able to rate my anxiety in those moments too. So I talk about this a lot, about this rating scale from one to 10, 10 being like you're having a huge panic attack and you're at the ER and you're feeling like you're going to die. And one feeling like you're the most calm and happy, well, just calm and peaceful you've ever been. And I, I rate myself all the time, daily. I'll just be like, oh, I'm feeling I'm at like a three or four right now. Like I can feel my body. My breath is kind of shorter. I know I'm in my head a lot right now. And when I'm getting up towards like a three or a four or a five, like I know I need to start doing some healing tools to bring myself out of it. Because once you go beyond a five, you're at a five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10, bringing yourself out of that panic and anxiety is going to take a lot longer. That's my like 10 hour answer. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. That was really good. That's kind of, if that makes sense. that's how I started recognizing that I was healing. I, I like that. Um, I like hearing that on your side. So for like with health anxiety, I feel like the only way I knew I was getting better is based off of like symptoms and panic attacks. That's the only way I was able to like, rate me getting better. Very concrete. Like, oh, I only had two yes. panic attacks this week. Wow. I'm getting better. Yes. Okay. Okay. Interesting. So like panic attacks and symptoms would, I would feel like I was getting better. Like, oh, like, you know, it's been like 10 minutes today and I haven't had a panic attack, which was like a big deal. Mm-hmm. I was having like 10 a day. Mm-hmm. So like, um, I would say when, so the symptoms lasted a lot longer than the panic attacks. And people ask me that all the time. They're like, I'm not even anxious and I'm having symptoms. And it's like, that happens. Like that is very, very common. When you say symptoms, what do you mean? Like, like what were your symptoms? It, oh, girl, we do we have twenty minutes? Um, but are you talking about we, like are you talking about like physical symptoms, like panic attack? Because you're saying, pan, when you weren't in a panic attack, you were still having symptoms. Yeah. So what was the difference between your panic attack versus just the symptoms? A panic attack was like uh, a panic attack was more of like I'm about to die. And it was like extremely uh, uh, impending doom. I had severe doom. Like literally, I need to escape right this second. I need to get to an ambulance. We got to go. And that like, is how my panic attacks were. And depersonalization. Like those absolutely. Absolutely. I, I'm not in my body. Like, right, right. Yeah. Uh, symptoms were like sitting on the couch and feeling heart flutters or, or walking and feeling dizzy. 
but like it not being a full-on panic attack right but still not being debilitating like you're still able to kind of function with right it. okay right so so when this when the panic attacks started to slowly go away um over time the symptoms would go away with it uh. but the symptoms lasted a lot longer than the panic attacks which i thought was interesting and then sometimes the symptoms would want me to like go into a panic attack. And then, like you said, learning my triggers, okay, well, feeling dizzy and feeling lightheaded and feeling my heart racing were triggers for me. Yep. Right. And so learning those, I would, a lot was with like journaling and like going back and reading, like you have felt this way so many times. And like, I, I mean, I had so many talks with myself. I was my only friend then. So like telling myself like, you felt this way before and it has passed. And so like I wasn't having I wasn't going into the full on panic attacks, but like I would get the symptoms and then be able to like talk myself out of it until it got to a panic attack. Do mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like I was preventing it going into that full on like you said, the rating scale. I'd be at like a five and I'd prevent it going into a ten. Yeah. So that's yeah. how I knew. And that's yeah. And so I mean our experiences were very different, but like the healing process is is similar in a sense where it was what we were telling ourselves in that moment that helps us helps us actually feel grounded and right. and feel like we're actually in reality because actually depersonalization and derealization is something that we want, I want to do an episode on because um, a couple of people have asked me about that and that happens yeah. a lot when people are very highly anxious and essentially what those things mean um, just. I mean, they both, they mean different things, but you kind of feel like you're outside of your body and you feel like you're, or you can feel like you're outside of reality in that moment. Um, and you're not really like after it happens, you're sort of not even really, everything's blurry about what it was and what you went through when you kind of get back into, into reality. And it can feel really scary when you get to that place. It's really scary. Um, so scary. And so I think, Again, being able to when you're still in that sort of calmer state, if you, you know, you recognize because I'm sure when you were having panic attacks, you were feeling like they were going from zero to 60 in about three seconds, right? Yeah. And a lot of times they'd feel so different. It's weird. It's like every, but that's where journaling really came into. Like I didn't want to be a part of it for so long, but like realizing like, yeah, this panic attack might feel so different, but you've actually felt it before. You just black out every time. Like I go to that derealization, depersonalization, I think every time. And it's like, I forgot what the one yesterday felt like. Yeah. And like, it really felt the same. But in my head, I'm like, no, this is different. Well, and so journaling is part of your healing process then. Oh, for sure. Yeah. 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 And so writing it's not- down um, after panic attacks, writing down every symptom I had and like how I felt immediately I had to do it. Like I, even if it was just in my phone, like I even go back through my notes sometimes and it's like... <laughs> The things I read, I'm like, when I'm reading it, I'm like, that is such an irrational person. I'm like, that is crazy. It's oh like my I didn't gosh. Even, it's like someone else was typing on my phone. Oh my gosh, me too. Me too. It's like, I who just, is that? And I reread my entries like I try yeah. to every couple months because mine, it's so funny. Our journals probably look so different. Mine are very much like, not about like symptoms at all, but a lot about like, why am I like this? Like just like talking bad to myself in the past. And now it's a lot different. I'm like kinder to myself. But yeah, reading those, reading those past entries, it just teaches you so much. I mean, 
right now it teaches me so much about how much I've grown and I'm just like I cry right? about like I know how proud of myself I am because I was so mean that's to like myself a, like years ago. That's like a concrete uh a concrete version yes. of like how much you've grown. Like you can yes. literally see it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean listen, not that not that like and part of growth is also like regression sometimes. I mean, right. I had a couple di- a couple weeks ago where I probably had an entry that looked like four years ago, but I didn't stay there, you know? It wasn't right. You know. Recovery um, is not linear ever. No, it is not. But I, I do, I mean, listen, I'm a huge advocate with journaling. I think every single one of my clients, it's the first thing I say in my sessions, but I know it's not for everybody. But if you can kind of find a way to maybe just try it, I'd recommend it for sure. Um, well, you guys, this was so fun. Q and A. It was a good, uh, what's the word when you do something on a whim? Candid or not candid? No, no. I don't know. This is very Um, candid of us. We didn't plan it. It was maybe candid as far. Candid means like, um, you're very forthcoming with like your everything. Like you're very candid about things. Like you're very forthcoming about information. You don't really okay. like, hide anything, right? Huh. I don't know because yeah. you know how people take like candid wrong, photos. Yeah, comment. <laughs> um, and yeah, so we I hope that you liked this. We're going to be back with our guest in a couple of weeks, but we have a lot of good topics coming up as far as finding a therapist. And we're going to talk actually about death anxiety, um, which might be a little triggering for people, but we'll put a disclaimer up. And Also, please DM us with your recommendations because we always love that. Don't forget to check out the Anxiety Healing School, you guys. I have a set my seven-day anxiety healing masterclass is starting December 7th and I only have a couple spots left. Um, Healing15 for 15% off. Use that code HEALING15 for all of the um, healers listening right now. Again, it's the anxietyhealingschool.com the seven day challenge. It's so awesome. It's the winter session. And so you're getting a actual bonus session on holiday anxiety. So I think you're going to want to tune into that. Um, and so I just want everyone to get as much out of it as they can. So go to the anxietyhealingschool.com for that. Taylor, do you have anything for our special peeps? Um, yeah. I mean, if you'd want, so I created a journal planner thing because of my journaling experience, I never felt like there was a mental health uh, journal out there, you know, like journal planner kind of combo. Yes. Um, so I really love doing that. So if you sometimes need like guidance, I think that's really cool. And that's on my website, which is peakofpanic.com. Um, and just check out our Instagrams. Yes. The Anxiety Healer. We have all of our info on there. Health underscore anxiety and the anxiety checks, of course. That's our Insta. Of course. Yeah. Um, so please, I want to start saying this at the beginning of the of the podcast, but um, I will do that next time. But please rate, review, and subscribe if you enjoy this. You guys, that's what's going to really keep this podcast moving forward and getting out to a lot more people to help end the stigma of mental health and raise awareness for anxiety and mental health. That's our main mission of doing this podcast is just helping people feel less alone in their struggles and just reaching people globally that are struggle with mental health and helping them feel like 
they have some support. And um, so you can help raise more awareness by just rating, reviewing, and subscribing to this because it helps reach more people. So thanks, you guys, so much. We love you. We'll see you next week. Happy healing. Bye, guys. Hi, healers. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Anxiety Chicks with Taylor and I. As always, you can find us on Instagram. You can find me, Allison Sepinera, as the Anxiety Healer and Taylor as health underscore anxiety. And as always, you can check out the Anxiety Healing School. I just dropped a new course called When Panic Attacks, Triggers That Create Fear and How to Overcome Them, all about overcoming your anxious triggers and finding more awareness on what contributes to your anxious thoughts and giving you all the tools on how to overcome them. Uh, It's a self-paced course, and if there's any struggle with finances, there's a payment plan available as well, so go to theanxietyhealingschool.com to check that out, and as always, go to peakofpanic.com to check out updates about Taylor's blog and her journal she's coming out with. Thanks, everyone. Happy healing. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.